Come on! <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's Wednesday. And we're on the beach. <laughs> that we are. We're nearing the end of 2020, yeah. Mr. Salib, but we're also halfway through a big week for us. Uh, Curious how your week's been going so far? It's been going well. Just getting more and more excited by the day for this episode. I was, you know, with the with the uh, bi-weekly special episodes, mm-hmm. these are a little more extra special for us as yeah, well. I agree. Then, boom, on Thursday, our big announcement. Then, boom, on Friday, we got a pay-per-view preview. Oh, one of my favorite weeks of the podcast so far. Yeah, action packed. I can't. I cannot disagree with you there. It's uh, feels like it just gets more and more fun to do these. Oh yeah. And that decision by us to move these special episodes biweekly, I feel like is is it is like kind of working. It's like making us. It's making us because I, I don't want to say we we weren't unmotivated to do them before or anything like that, but it's just. It makes us more excited to get to that one. And we have more time it. to like prepare more things. Because when we were going boom, 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 then there's less time between recordings. and yeah. So now we're just like, yeah, we got time. And this month in particular, I think, fully shows like yeah. the benefit of it. Because the month of December is our basically 2020 year in review. Yes. So, perfect. again, you guys, you probably know this by now, but today's episode... Is a little extra special. And that's because today we're doing part one of our 2020 year in review. A look back at Fight Island. Yes. We believe Fight Island deserves to have an episode dedicated to it. Technically, this would be the second time we've dedicated an episode to Fight Island. This we is did true. the documentary that was on Fight Pass, which was great. That gave you more of that behind the scenes look. We talked a lot about the fighters they focused on, um, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Now we can talk about more of our experience with right. Fight Island, kind of how we saw things playing out as someone who's we are not behind the scenes people, um, as much as we'd like to be. Yes, true. We we simply saw things play out in front of our eyes, so it's kind of like you know we were talking about it all the time, which we were doing the podcast back then. I know we started literally a month after. Yeah. So yeah, and really today we're also going to kind of get into our 2020. You know. The, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Because, let's be honest, 2020 is, maybe it's not the kind of year you want to look back on fondly for a lot of people. Because I don't know if anybody can really walk away from this year and go, that was a great year. Yeah, it's definitely one of those years you just got to find the small silver linings, you know. In a lot of ways, yeah. yeah. Find but, those diamonds in the rough. Yeah. But I think we'll start kind of with our experience with 2020. Uh, do you want me to start or do you want to start? Yeah, let's just flow off each other here, but I'll, go ahead, take it away. Okay. Um, so, yeah, 2020, uh, it's been interesting. We kind of, starting out, I was working two jobs back once we got to, like, January, February. When things were normal. When things were normal. COVID hits. Um, I lose one of my jobs. And then... The other job, kind of, for the next couple of weeks, it's kind of unsure because I was working for the university. And at the time, they hadn't committed to sending everybody home for the whole semester, and really my job is not necessary if there's no kids on campus. Well, then I lose that job, too. So I'm just kind of chilling at my house with one of my roommates, and we're literally just 
quarantining for months. Uh, not sure what's going to happen. You know, it's a story like most people probably had. I mean, mm-hmm. I just wasn't making any income. Us, I don't know if it was the same for you because by this point you had graduated, but I wasn't eligible for a stimulus check. Right, yeah. Which sucked. No, I was but not either. <laughs> that, that was pain. Yes. But um, once the summer hit, you know, you got to find work eventually. I ended up getting a job at a gas station back home. So I go back, move in with my dad for the summer, work there. Um, really, this, I mean, this during this quarantine, uh, I've, you know, when it came to the fighting, I mean, this is a good way to tie this in. I was <clears throat> watching more fights than I ever have. Yeah. I mean, you know how I have my spreadsheet. Yeah, your spreadsheet, I was about to ask. I, probably going into quarantine, I had seen probably like, half of the UFC pay-per-views, maybe a little more than half. And mind you, I'd been doing that for like three years at yeah, that point. Yeah, it's been a process. From then until, what, August? I watched the other, what, hundred and... Yeah, I remember when we were discussing starting the podcast, like officially, finally, and rather than just talking about it. Yeah. It was that night at, we went out to eat at B-Dubs, I think. And that's when you talked about, oh, yeah, I finished all of them. Now I'm starting all the fight nights. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, that's yeah. awesome. So it slowed down by this point because now, uh, as I'll get into, life's gotten a little bit more back to normal in some ways. <laughs> but at the time, that was all I could That was all I could do. That's all I wanted to do, really. So, and then obviously once the UFC came back, that was huge. As like, it's like, oh, now I get to watch current fights and old ones um summer worked that job came back uh, actually got an internship that started in august that was a huge deal because they kind of for a few months they weren't sure if they were even gonna do it mm-hmm. um, so for me i'm in like june and i have no idea if i'm taking classes in august mm-hmm. and graduating in december or if i'm gonna be on internship and pushing back my graduation to may so, definitely a stressful time. Oh, yeah. But then they end up offering me the position, which, shout out to that company, I won't <laughs> say it on there, but um, it's been a great run there, and that's kind of been my way to feel like I'm in some sense of normalcy again, is having an actual like job that feels like a career, in a sense. And um, that was until about Halloween, <laughs> right after Halloween, election week yes um i got COVID 19 as did you (laughs) i was waiting for them to put the pieces together maybe one led to the other yeah but who am i to point fingers (laughs) ladies and gentlemen it more than likely wasn't it was definitely (laughs) me that gave it to dom but we had to do the podcast we did, and I didn't knowingly... He didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah I got it pretty bad. <laughs> I don't want to say it was like near as bad as some people. It was just in comparison to a lot of the people I knew, like you, some of my roommates, things like that. I definitely had it the worst of everybody I knew. Um, it probably put me out for like three days, basically, of just like 20 hours of sleeping. Um, when I wasn't sleeping, like my body was just aching. <laughs> Um, it was not a fun time. Uh, I get cold sores real bad a lot of times, and I had like 10 of them pop up on my face at once. It was ridiculous. So Did for the next two weeks, 
life kind of goes back to feeling like I'm quar- I had this I literally was quarantined in my room because I live with uh, four other guys so um, uh, two of them got it as well but the other two didn't have it so we are literally locked in our room for 14 two days. weeks and yeah. I have a pretty small room <laughs> so I was miserable and it felt like I was not only quarantined again, it felt like it was even worse than it was <laughs> when I was quarantined before. Mm-hmm. So then it was like kind of the normalcy kind of got stripped away. But two weeks go by, I'm able to go back to work. Kind of re-energized me a little bit. It was, mm-hmm. a little, it was definitely like a... Like wake a, up call? Uh, I wouldn't... I don't know if I'd call it a wake up call because some of that's kind of out of my hands at some point. But more so it was... Um, it was just it made me appreciate it more mm-hmm. what that what that just that structure had really done for me because leading up to work starting working there because even after they offered it to me I wasn't one hundred percent certain that they wouldn't cancel it at the eleventh hour mm-hmm. so I was still stressing out checking you know Mike Dewine's updates all the time things like that well once I started though never really checked them again and maybe to my detriment but once I was able to go back to work that was I mean it's only been two three weeks now um that was definitely nice and then I was even offered a second internship starting in January so again shout out to that company oh yeah 2021 looking big for many reasons yeah so I mean 2020 all in all when I when I explain it like that like for what you know considering how many people have had just bad years how many companies have had these awful years you know sports suck for the most part I really can't complain like I really made out pretty well in the end like sure I got COVID I went a few months without getting paid (laughs) it was a struggle but everybody was kind of going through that Mm -hmm. ultimately for my career like I've completely built my foundation yeah you finally got to secure that internship yeah and that led to getting a second Mm -hmm. one that i'll be doing in january so i mean at the end of the day like it's a year that i think i'm going to be able to look back on fondly it's memorable it's also when we started the podcast i mean all in all we said i I don't want to skip that over i mean that we started this in august if not for this craziness that is 2020 i don't know if we would have had the I don't know if balls is the right word or just the... Would it ever have even presented itself, though, as an option? Because, I mean, the way it kind of came about was we got dinner, that dinner you were talking about, when I came back to BG. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I, like I said, I spent all summer at home. You were here for the most part, I believe, weren't mm-hmm. you? So then we get dinner at B-Dubs. Turned into like an eight-hour And then we went back to your apartment, and we were just like... And, like, again, this has happened multiple times. Be like, why don't we just do a podcast? This is two years in the making. Yeah. And then you said it again, and I went, why don't we? And then we're like, wait, we're doing this. So, like, if I don't say that, which definitely there's got to be some sort of element of everything going on making it feel more plausible or just more of, like, a a fuck it, like, why not? Go out and do it. Yeah, so I, I think uh, in a lot of ways this year is definitely a year I can look back on fondly, which is weird to say. But, I mean, I a lot of the things I love to do happen. And, I mean, my career's kind of been started in 2020, and then my... Passion. Yeah, my passion, the podcast, 
was started in 2020. So all in all, at the end of the day, can't complain. Given the circumstances. Yeah. I'm curious uh, some of your... I mean, really same boat. So, I mean, from my standpoint, I'm in a uh, Division One collegiate ticket office. So we were, of course, in the heap of all of our events, you know, January, February, all of our sports going on, essentially. And then uh, March rolls around. That's when the sports start to die down, but it's also when, you know, the postseason start and we're hosting, like, high school basketball. So there's a lot going on, even though you're really close to being done for the summer as well. And then we literally go, you know, it's a crazy story. Um, we, we host events on Monday through Friday for high school basketball tournaments. Right. And Monday, sold-out crowd. Big high schools. I mean, 5,000 people in the arena. Tuesday rolls around family only just like that just like that because the first cases got reported in Ohio uh, in Cleveland so immediately that gets paused immediately our school that travels to Cleveland for the conference championship canceled conference tournament was uh, then put to family only I should say Wednesday rolls around high school tournament that we're hosting done canned nothing it's crazy conference basketball tournament that our team is going to boom canceled as my boss gets in his car to drive to Cleveland because he had to be there and I was going to be here as soon as he got in his car boom done he never even got to leave the parking lot and the tournament got canceled and from there we go into Thursday we have a meeting on uh, like a full staff meeting they say we're going to do this next week working remotely we're just going to take one week let it all kind of die down and see what goes on and if you would have told me during that meeting that I would have went home because I traveled home to just take a week with the family because I go multiple months yeah. sometimes with the sports. And for you, you might even – I mean, I know it's scary what's going on, like being told that, but for you it's probably like, oh, nice, I get a week to go mm -hmm. home because it was unexpected. A after the long season, so it's like, all right, we're going to take a week. Everything's going to get back to normal here. We're going to figure out what this whole yeah. virus is about. And if you would have told me then – that I would have been at home from middle of March until the middle of July, I would have called you crazy. Right. And if you would have told me that we're sitting here halfway through December and virtually nothing's really changed, I would have called you crazy. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I go home for what I think was going to be one or two weeks, spend some time with the family, come back. And, uh, no, at home, start working remotely. You know, all of our sports are called off. We go into the fall. We're limited to families only. So, I mean, thankfully, never, you know, got cut out of a job or a paycheck. Right. Definitely just strange. Um, but here we are now. Sports are going. Again, at least there's somebody in the arena to cheer on the athletes. And it's definitely different, but something unique, something I'll never forget. And, again, the silver linings, you know, we start our podcast here. I... Uh, started grad school during all of this actually yeah, in crazy. May. That's wild. Of course, that's all remote, but still, I was uh, planning to start it at some point after I finished undergrad. And then all this rolled around. I'm like, might as well just start it now, right? I mean, there's not much going on all summer. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm about to be five classes deep in that and almost halfway done. And so, silver linings, uh, really, to anyone out there. I know it's been a shitty year for essentially everyone to some mm -hmm. extent, but keep looking for the silver linings. Yeah. 
2020 is almost over. I know 2021 is still going to be weird. Yeah. It's not like we're going to go into January and yeah, everything's back to normal. But hopefully things continue to get better. Things continue to progress. Everybody can come together. Mm-hmm. 2021 hopefully will be greater than 2020. True. Um, and to, to your point, it first felt real to me, this, you know, COVID-19. Because I had heard, I mean... I don't. I don't watch the news, <laughs> truthfully. <coughs> Excuse me. But I had heard about it, <coughs> but it didn't feel real to me until the day after our fake Patty's Day that we have at Bowling Green. That's when Ohio State announced they were sending everybody home. Yeah, that was the weekend before everything literally went shutdown mode. Yeah, I remember that because I remember. You know, uh, basically, our St. Patrick's Day was during our spring break. So the students in the bars of Bowling Green decide to have that Saturday be fake Patty's Day. So everybody just celebrates it as if it's the real thing. So, I mean, that was a fun day. But I wake up that next morning and, like, I'm sitting there with some of my friends they're like, Ohio State just announced they're going online for the rest of the semester. It was like, what? And then I remember when the BG announced it, and it was just like, whoa. Like, I remember being, like, so upset. Because <laughs> it's just like, you knew that, like, a lot of my friends were going to be going. And it's selfish reasons in hindsight. But at the time, I'm just like, this can't be that bad, right? Like, it can't be that bad, mm-hmm. but... It just progressively got worse and worse. And really, we're in December. Still hasn't got that much better. No. But yeah, to your point, I I remember talking to my roommate who, since we were like quarantined and, you know, we lived together. And I was like, hopefully by August, this will all be smoothed over. Like that way, the fall semester, everything will be normal. <laughs> now you're looking at spring of 21 probably going to be much of the same as it's been for fall 20 you're essentially now looking at hopefully fall of 2021 will yeah be. <laughs> that's i mean and i hope that for those people that are really like just like ready to get done with this year and like start fresh in their eyes i hope they can reserve some of those expectations for 2021 because january is about to hit here soon and it's probably still going to be much of what 2020 felt like we just got to Roll with the punches. Yeah, so for how long, who knows? I'm done making those predictions. It just bums me out after a while. But I think uh, sports have always been a big part of my of our escape. Yeah. Even before pandemic, you know. Well, that leads to why the UFC, we feel, has done such a great job because it has been a very much an escape. Mm-hmm. The only other sport that I think has even come close to kind of those same results was the NBA and their Yeah, the NBA did do a very good job. But then, you know, you, the first casualty was March Madness, completely mm-hmm. scrapped. Then the MLB starts way late. You get a 60 game season. It just feels weird. Like all like you have a lot of weird like I remember I was trying to watch the Reds because they were supposed to be pretty competitive 
And then I was looking around the league and like some of these players that were like batting, their batting averages were real low. It's like everybody was, it was like, it just felt like a big asterisk season. I feel like that's what it is for all sports. Yeah. And then the NFL has been having some problems getting their season to even finish out. You're having like every week, especially lately. Yeah. Every week it seems like there's a game that's got to be postponed because you got upwards of double-digit players on a team. Well, I think it really shows that, like, these bubbles, so-called bubbles, Mm -hmm. like, is your most successful path. Yeah. Which Which is what the UFC has done. Yeah. It's what the the NBA did. But nobody else – or and the NHL did it. They they don't get talked about enough. Actually, that's fair. The NHL did do a fantastic bubble. I'm not the biggest hockey guy. Yeah. So that's why I didn't mention it. But actually, I heard that – They did a fantastic job. I heard they did a really good job with theirs. They might have even done it better than the NBA, truthfully, Mm -hmm. because they kind of gave every team a chance to fight for a playoff spot and Mm -hmm. everything. But, I mean, outside of the the UFC and then NBA, NHL – We've seen that the sports that have not implemented some sort of bubble due to all the traveling and mm. how you know all these sports work, there are issues that come up. Even in the, you know, the UFC does, or well, essentially they don't do a bubble for the Vegas cards, and that's why we see issues with the Vegas cards. Yeah. But if you look at the Fight Island cards, everything almost went flawlessly outside yeah. of you know, yeah, hiccups. I, obviously, things happen. But, but even right now, like college football, just feels so weird. I mean bias here we're Ohio State fans and the biggest rivalry in college football Ohio State versus Michigan was canceled today canceled as we're recording this it happened this morning just unbelievable crazy like who would have thought I mean and I'm not saying it ain't for justified reasons it's just it's just it's like I mean it's a selfish thing but you're just like it just takes the wind out of you almost you're just like man like Never would have thought Mm-mm. in my lifetime that I would go a year without being able to watch Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, exactly. And it's happened. And now, like, I mean, Ohio State played five games this year. It's weird. Yeah. It just feels weird, you know. That's the best way to put it is, like, with sports, it's been a very big mixed bag. Because mm. some sports you just can't replicate that that energy or that um, that feeling you get without the fans yeah yeah luckily mma has been probably the least compromised and really the nba surprisingly didn't feel all that compromised i hate the electronic fans by the way i was about to say they did a good job with oh those. i hate it really i hate it because i it's so delayed it's just i, I wanted to be one i mean that's fair because i, I mean i who doesn't you know who, want, who doesn't want to see their face up there but it's just it's a de- like your delayed reactions. They're I don't know. I I don't like the uh, electronic fans. I know some people feel the way you do, where they they like it. I never did. But for the most part, the NBA did it right. Like you said, the NHL did it right. NFL, MLB can't quite say to say the same. It just feels it feels like everything has an asterisk to it. Besides, like I don't think I'm going to look back and go. Oh well, if COVID didn't happen, the Lakers probably wouldn't have beat the Heat in the finals. I don't know. I still feel like that. I feel like that was warranted with any of our title changes in the UFC. I don't feel like I can, I'm going to look back and go, "Oh well, if COVID hadn't affected camps and everything like that, then who knows what would have happened?" I mean, sure, that's a factor, but. It just feels uncompromised, the sport, mm-hmm. for the most part. 
I think that's nice. Yeah. So I think that's a good way to segue here. Oh, yeah. It's done talking about ourselves. Yeah, we did a good segue. Yeah. Went from personal into sports, now into our favorite. Right. The UFC. So now we're our look back at Fight Island, and it's it's gonna start in the lead up. So kind of what we were just doing, and that starts with the if we're talking just UFC here, because we've mentioned how all these sports, you know, cancel, cancel, yeah. postpone, cancel, cancel. So the UFC had an interesting run here because what what happened was UFC 248 happens, headlined by Adesanya versus Romero. We don't talk about that one, but you know what we talk about? We talk about the co-main, Weili Zhang. Yoana MJJ. There you go. The best women's fight of all time. Yes. So, they should have had those flipped yes. on the card, but... The last card with fans. Yeah, so that Crazy. happens... What was that? March 7th, 2020. Yeah, it was like two weeks later is when we got put under quarantine. Yeah, I mean, well, for the UFC that next week, mm-hmm. March 14th, they're supposed to have a big event in Brazil, or a fight night in Brazil. Well, they did. Yeah. No fans. Oh, right. The first event without fans. Headlined by Charles Oliveira, who we get to break down on Friday, and Kevin Lee. Mm. That was that was the first event without fans, and it happened, boom, just like that. Um, and then from there, six week, no fights. Yeah. So basically, the biggest casualty of that being, we were getting real excited because UFC 249. Supposed to be headlined by Habib Nurmagomedov finally defending his belt against Tony Ferguson. May I add one more thing that we were excited about? <laughs> yeah. March 28th in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. We were supposed UFC to be. fight night. We were supposed to be at a fight night. Yes. At the end of the month. Yes. Headlined by Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstreich. You guys know how that fight went. Mm-hmm. Co-mained mm-hmm. by Cody Garbrandt versus Rafaela Sunsau. Y'all know how that fight went. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to go. Yeah, we didn't get to see it. Sad. I just had to throw that in there. I forgot to mention it in the personal yeah. part. No, I, I. But it plays into this. Yeah, so. it, it's just it feels so long ago. Yeah. Listen, us here in Ohio, <laughs> we don't get the luxury of many UFC no. fights. So when they come, we buy. It was the first one since two hundred three. Yes. And that four was, years. Yeah. So. We were sad. Yeah, we were very excited leading up to it, and then it didn't happen. Disappointing. 249 was probably the biggest casualty, though, because Mm -hmm. of that main event. So, literally, as everything's going on, Dana is insisting that they will get it done and they will push through. At one point, even agreeing to hold the fight with, I believe, no fans at an Indian reservation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. California? California. Yeah. Well, due to a lot of the pushback from all sides, I guess, uh, ESPN steps in and asks Dana to, like, step down on this one, like, stand down. So he does. So then we get six weeks, Mm. nothing. Mm. And that was hard. Oh, yeah. But little did we know. Because UFC, you usually know every Saturday, for the most part, Mm -hmm. you got something. Yeah. It's just nothing for six weeks. But then you look at what they did, and you just think during those six <clears throat> weeks, all the shit they were doing behind the scenes that no and, one had a clue and about. And really, that started right away. Right after they announced they were canceling that card, because Dana did an interview with Brett Okamoto with ESPN, announced they weren't moving forward with that card. That was originally supposed to be April 9th of 2020. Yeah. So then he goes, 
I have secured an island. And Brett. <laughs> and now it's hard to like look back because we do have it. Everyone watched that interview and went, huh? <laughs> and even Brett looked at him like, huh? If he would have had water, he would have spit it out. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, yes, an island. I've secured an island for all of our international fights. And, and then, thus the mystery is created. Thus the mystery. Undisclosed location. Yep. Nobody has a clue. Everybody wants to know, where is Fight Island? Yes. It became the talk of all sports. Yeah. All sports at that time. Yeah. Because. Like major headlining news. What other sport would that could that be done? Yeah. You have a literal Mortal Kombat style <laughs> island. That's what people were thinking. Or blood sport, you know, the Jean Claude Van Damme movie with the, they the Kumite. <laughs> like if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're looking at this picture, this is what I thought we were getting. <laughs> and if you're not watching on YouTube, it's one octagon with a palm tree in the middle on like a <laughs> a one thousand square foot desert island in the middle of the ocean. Literally island on the beach. Yes. Like we thought guys were going to be fighting in the sand. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it was it was really the perfect way to announce it because everybody's so sad mm-hmm. about the cancellations. And he's just like, yeah, I've secured an island. Huh? No, no need How to How do fear. you say that so casually? <laughs> and really, that, that a star was born that day, and its name is Fight Island. Yes. And... I mean, God, what a marketing! Oh, that star railroad in a lot of money for the twenty twenty. Hey, for the UFC when it comes to merchandise sales, probably by this point it's doubled twenty nineteen. Oh yeah, because it had already beat it leading up to UFC two fifty one. I played a part in that. Shirts hanging right there in the closet. <laughs> nice. Um, so we do end up getting fights back, but they don't start at Fight Island. Correct. This is true. So we start at UFC UFC two forty nine gets re booked now headlined by Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson for the interim lightweight title it's happening in Jacksonville so Jack Florida kind of is one of the states that during that time was uh, I guess trying to be more lenient mm-hmm. so they end up going there and they're insistent on they're going to have protocol in place and they're like talking that protocol up huge talking about keeping guys safe keeping guys you know guys are gonna have to stay locked in their rooms multiple testing well basically the night before it looks like this fight might get this card might get canceled again i thought the whole thing was going down and i thought potentially we might not be seeing any fights for a long time after that yep jacare souza scheduled to fight uriah hall after face-offs, after he weighed in, he tested positive. Yep. The first fighter <clears throat> that was tested tested as positive for COVID-19. I remember Jake, our buddy Jake sent us the tweet, and he said, boys, this fight ain't happening. This card. Yeah, I happening. was walking upstairs with my phone, got the alert from ESPN, looked back before I was past like the wall of the steps and I said Jock Ray Sosa just tested positive this whole thing's gonna get cancelled isn't it and I remember looking at my dad asking or saying that to him it was just vivid yeah so I uh, so the whole next day I'm nervous I wait cause I'm like I, I wanna pay the money right now but I'm waiting just in case 
something happens. Luckily, I guess, nobody else tested positive besides his There was his whole corner, yeah. yeah. Um, which, luckily, they've all recovered and been able to move on. Jockery about to fight mm-hmm. this weekend, actually. Tune in on Friday. Nobody else tests positive. The event's able to move forward. Ends up being an awesome event. Oh, yeah. But that's really not what we're talking about. Because then they, they have this nice run in Jacksonville. And then after that they is when they moved to the Apex, correct? Yep. So they moved to the Apex. That's where UFC 250 happens, headlined by Amanda Nunes and Felicia Spencer. And then it's Fight Island time. Yes, sir. UFC 251, headlined by Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Three title fights. Below that, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, too. Below that, Peter Jan versus Jose Aldo. It's a huge card. Then you even got Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade, too. Mm-hmm. Their first fight being for the title, even though neither of them held it at this point. It was a huge card. Star-making performance by Amanda Rebos. Yes. But, the weekend before, we get our probably first major... It was exactly, well, I think, seven <clears throat> days out. I mean, it was our first main event to be compromised. Yep. Gilbert Burns tests positive a week out. As he was in Vegas. Yeah. In their hub, getting ready to fly to fight on Yep. He's no longer able to fight for the title. So there's a lot of questions. Because it's like, okay, are we just going to move up Holloway and Volkanovski? Or what are we doing? In steps... Street Jesus. One of the biggest names in MMA. Game bred Jorge Masvidal. On six days notice. The 2019 fighter of the year in a lot of ways. He went from being a journeyman to being a household name. And currently... In terms of active fighters, the biggest active fighter until Connor comes back in January. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And he steps in on six days' notice to fight Usman for the belt. So, and going in, I can say that even though I was really looking forward to Usman Burns, still am. Yeah, I'm still hoping to see that fight, and I, I hope it does happen. However, I can't deny that when I heard Masvidal got the fight. You didn't perk up a little in your seat. Yeah, I I was very excited. I'm a big, I mean, I, I was a, loved Masvidal on his run. <clears throat> still the most shocking thing I've ever seen live was Masvidal's knockout of Ben Askren. That's still the most shocking thing I've ever seen live in a sport. I, my jaw was on the floor at that B-dubs. It was insane. So because of that, I, I love Masvidal, and I was very excited. Would you say the same? Oh, yeah, 100%. This, I mean, this was like the biggest fight to make at the time in the UFC. Yeah. This was the fight everybody wanted. It just didn't happen to play out because at the time, leading into this, Masvidal was holding out for yeah, bigger he, money. Yeah, he was. He got the bag. You know this. he had to. Save the main event. Shout out Hunter Campbell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that And that that's one of the things we learned from that documentary is mm-hmm. how integral Hunter Campbell was in making sure that deal went through. He said, do you want to see Masvidal in this main event? 
think it was to Dana. Dana's like, Make yes. it happen. And he's like, all right, I'll get it done. Boom. I'd like to see that check. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty penny. I'd like to have that check. <laughs> but now we have our five fights, right? Yep. God, what a card. Looking yep. at it again. So, we watched this together, actually. Yep. At your house back home. Mm-hmm. Me, you, JP, Jake, Big Dave. <laughs> yep. Maybe your mom and P make an appearance. <laughs> yeah. But I I think I got to your fight around, or to your fight, I got to your house around, I don't know, it was like the second fight of the early prelims. The first fight that really stuck out to me was that headliner of the prelims, Jiri Prochaka, mm-hmm. making his debut from Ryzen where he had been a huge champion. Knocking out Volkanus Demir in the second round in a very fun fight. It's crazy to have that on the prelim. <laughs> it really is. And it was a fun fight back and forth in that first round. Jiri getting that knockout. We still haven't seen him fight since. Haven't seen Vulcan fight either. But that was, you knew that Jiri was for real. Star making performance. Immediately put him into that top six, seven, considering it was his debut in the promotion. And now he's scheduled to fight... Uh, it's Reyes in February. Is that who it is? Okay, he's scheduled to fight Dominic Reyes. So if he wins that, man, I mean, you're looking at a title shot. Mm-hmm. So what a performance there. Um, I just wanted to point that out because, you know, I love me some Jiri. Then we go to our main card. We started with Amanda Rivas, the biggest favorite on the card. Mm-hmm. I believe it was a minus 700. 800. 800 over Paige Van Zant, who is one of the probably biggest names in women's in, MMA yeah. currently. Like, yeah. or at this time, because now she's at bare knuckle. Uh, say that five times fast. Uh, so, the biggest favorite on the card. And I was, you know, again, I, I wasn't necessarily watching every single fight night at this time. I mean, I was catching the majority of them, but... I didn't have the incentive like I do now to where it's like we're talking about on a podcast to really make sure I watch every card every week. I didn't really know Amanda Rivas. Oh, this was her coming out party. Yeah, and I mean, she had fought twice before. It looked good. She beat Mackenzie Dern. Yep. First person ever to Imagine that fight happening now. I can't wait for the rematch. Yeah. So... Here she is on her biggest stage, and again, I, I didn't, I, I knew based on how big of a favorite she was, I was like, oh boy, because Paige, despite her star power, has kind of been a middling yeah. fighter. She's kind of been a five hundred for that women's flyweight and strawweight divisions. Amanda made it look pretty easy. Wouldn't you say? Two minutes, 22 seconds. Let me snap your arm real quick. Yeah, hit her with that arm bar. And Paige has had so many problems with her yeah. damn shoulders yeah. and elbows everything. So um, that was a star-making performance for Amanda. It's kind of it's kind of like easy to forget now because we haven't seen Amanda fight since. And, you know, so much has happened since UFC 251. I mean, the, the world of MMA moved so fast. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she became a star that night. Yeah. I mean, now she gets to fight she Michelle Waters. I mean, right after that, she was hanging out. She, you know, you know she what? stayed there. Yeah. yeah, you know when they had Hamzat yeah. uh, sitting with Dana for Ortega Zombie? Well, they had her sitting with Dana right after this. Yep, yep. So, it's obvious they look at her like she's a big deal. And now she's going to be on the main card of a Conor McGregor fight. Mm-hmm. 
So and who's that she tells fighting? you anything, Michelle Watterson. Yes, she is. Kind of a big fight. Kind of a big fight. Yeah. And then you get to that Nami Yunus Andrade fight, fight of the night. The fight of the one night. One of the best fights of the year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? The women have shown out in 2020 now that I think about it. Yeah. Joanna Whaley. We got Jessica Andrade and Rose Nami Yunus too. We had um, Angela Hill, Michelle Watterson, main event. That was an incredible fight. Oh, yeah. Fight. That was a great fight. There's been some great uh, female fights um, here. Even, this uh, one was awesome. Even J- JDR and... Uh, um, who did she... Pena, Julia yeah. Pena. That, that was a, really a fun fight. fight. Yeah. I mean, probably a step below those, but mm-hmm. still, women putting... I mean, even Home Aldana was a fun fight to watch. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, like, you're right in that way that the women have really showed out this year. And this fight was, yeah, easily fight of the night. It was a great fight. I mean, in a lot of ways, it went the way I thought it would go. The first time they fought, Rose was champ. She was dominating the fight. She too. was dominating, piecing her up. I don't know if Andrade is going to be able to get get it to a decision. Mm-hmm. She might have been done. I mean, mm-hmm. she was being pieced up. Then their clinch, Andrade with that power picks Rose up and slams her essentially on her head. Yeah, knocked out cold. Knocked out cold. Andrade's new champ, and it, it felt immediately like. Did Andrade really deserve mm-hmm. to be the champ? And then she lost it in forty two seconds. To Wei Lee, yeah. who's an animal. And yeah. I again I love Andrade. I'm not I'm not gonna talk I'm not gonna talk down on her like you just did. But <laughs> I was just saying what happened. No, I, I, I hear you. But coming into this rematch, it felt like it was gonna be So glad they booked the rematch too. Yeah, it felt like it was gonna be more of the same. It was gonna be Rose piecing her up. And then the only chance Andrade had was to basically use her power. And she did to break Rose's nose. Well, for two and a half rounds, or two rounds, I guess, uh, Rose, I would say, was definitely getting the better of the fight. Mm -hmm. Clearly winning. I wouldn't say it was near as one-sided as their first encounter. That third round, though, Andrade came back. Turned it on. Yeah. Yeah, and she bloodied up Rose, broke her nose, like you said. Her eye was all swollen and black afterwards. Um, yeah, they went to war, man. It was awesome. And then it ended up being a split decision. Uh, I wonder if Chris Lee was judging that one. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, on the Rose point. gets the win, though, and deservedly so. It was a clear 2-1. But Can't wait to see her fight Wei Lee. And now she way. looks like she's going to fight Wei Lee and Drobs. This was her last fight at strawweight. Yeah. She moved up the flyweight. And dominated a number one contender. Caitlin Chukagian. Now she looks like she might be next for yeah. Valentina. Yeah. God, I can't wait for both of those fights. Yeah, those are awesome. 2021 women's fighting <laughs> looking like it's about to be just as good. Yes. So then we get to our first title fight. And this one had some controversy to it. Because Peter Yan going up against Jose Aldo for the Bantamweight belt. This was the first Bantamweight title fight after Henry Cejudo had announced he was retiring at UFC 249. Peter Yan deserved to be in this title fight. But. But. <laughs> Jose Aldo. Did not. No. He had fought once at Bantamweight. And lost. That's. Yeah. He lost to Marlon Rice. Now. I don't care. I don't care. It, we get it. I get it. We think he won too. All right. But at the end of the day. He didn't. It's a loss. Yeah. Exactly. And he's only. And he had only fought once in a division. And I don't know. And he was ranked like, six look, or seven. Was it impressive that he was able to hold his own against yes. Marais? Yes. yes. 
who had also fought for a belt before. Sure, it was impressive. But, again, you don't get that win. And it's like, on one hand, I, I struggle with it so much because I'm like, part of me like want, is like glad that if the UFC believes the decision is bullshit, then they'll just book fights as if exactly it's the reverse. Yeah. But I just, I guess if, maybe if he had had a resume at fights at Bantamweight by that point, or at least a couple more, then maybe I would feel more comfortable with it. But at the time, I just, I hated this. I was not happy about it, especially when you had a more clear deserving person in Aljamain Sterling in my eyes. Who oh yeah. hundred percent. And even Marais at that point, I thought was more deserving just because I mean, he won technically won. Yeah. Regardless, this fight happens. Jose looks great early. Great fight for three rounds. Yeah, but it was a five-round fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose looked great early. And Jan did too, but Jose showing them leg kicks of old. It was that veteran. Yeah. I mean, he had his last few fights, he had really not been, you know, he's a guy that's probably got some of the best leg kicks you'll see in MMA history. And he really... Wasn't utilizing him much. In, in the last few fights of his career, but then here, throwing him. Jan is feeling the effects. But Jan is holding his own. Probably even winning the fight still at that point. But it, Aldo is in the fight. He is landing shots. He's possibly won a round. Round four happens. End of round three. It kind of, well, actually, I think it was the end of round one is where Aldo got hurt the first time. He gets dropped, and, it, and like Jan hits him with the punch in the rib. Mm-hmm. He immediately like yeah. turtles up, and like you can see his face is like in pain. Mm-hmm. So I thought the fight might be stopped. Somehow he fights through, pushes through. Second round much better for him. Third round good. Then you get to that fourth and fifth. It's all pewter Jan. It's all Jan. And it's Domination. brutal. Yeah. Should have been stopped earlier than it was. Should have been stopped in the fourth. Yeah. At the end. They so, shouldn't have let it go into round five. Yeah, I mean, it went three and a half minutes into round five, so... Oof. He took a beating. He did. And um, it's really tough because, you know, Aldo is such a beloved veteran and legend of the sport. Um, possibly a top ten fighter. Like, you had him on your top ten list. Mm-hmm. And... For him to be just like beaten down like that, it just you just didn't feel good watching it, you know. Yeah. yeah. So you're just kind of like uh, like throwing the damn towel or something. Like, come on, like this is a legend. And that's like, I know he's of... only 32, but again, the fight years yeah. versus age. Well, and I mean, before this, he had still been taking some damage. He, again, two TKO losses to Max. Max put a beating yeah. on him. So you know, that's three losses in the past couple years that are pretty bad. So then, finally, the fight stopped in the fifth round, and Peter Jan is your champion. And really, to this point, he hasn't defended yet. It looks like it's going to be him and Sterling. It was supposed to happen this Saturday. It was supposed to happen this Saturday. It's so freaking crazy to forget how many title fights have came through UFC 256. Looks like it's going to happen in the first quarter of 2021. Hopefully it does. But I think there's still uh, Jan still has some proving to do. I think because yeah, yeah. as good of a win as it is, I mean, you beat a guy like Jose Aldo, Henry Cejudo, and Aljo are calling him the paper champ. So they're calling him that, and I get it. They're trying to drum up some hype, but 
at the same time, Aldo is 0-2 at Bantamweight. So, yeah. regardless of how you feel, how he's looked, or if he actually won, reality is he's 0-2. So, Jan, I think, still has some proving to do as champion, but for this night, it was like Russia has its next representative. Mm-hmm. Then we move to this co-main event. Can we skip this? <laughs> I'm going to let you talk about this one. I don't want to, though. <laughs> Listen. Do it for this, the love this, of the game. This is for... Actually, I would say this is for Bless, but it's not because it's him losing. But This was the rematch. Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway. Another five-round war. This time, however, Noah and I, along with 98.7% of viewers, scored this fight for Max Holloway. And it more than likely was scored three to two in most people's heads. However, the judges score the fight for Volkanovsky. He gets the very controversial. This was split, right? Yes. Gets the controversial split decision. Remains the champion. Again, another champ we haven't seen fight since then. So also excited to see Volkanovsky in the octagon. Regardless of how big a fan I am of Max, I realize how great Volkanovsky is. So I am excited to see him fight again. Holloway, of course, we get to see in just a matter of weeks at this point against Calvin Cater. But yeah, this fight hurt. Uh, I'm a huge Max Holloway fan. Probably one of my favorite fighters. Close to my favorite fighter, honestly, at number one is Max Holloway. And to see him lose his belt the first time was awful because that one he lost, right? Right. Yeah, we agree. But this one, man, no. No. He didn't lose. And it's tough. I'm not trying to be a sore loser. But, I mean, when essentially everyone in the community believes the same thing, then you don't feel as bad when you're making these type of excuses. I put that in right. quotes. So, a great fight, though, um, and a great fight to have on this Fight Island card. I won't take that away. Just, if you're a Holloway fan, a poor result. If you're a Volkanovski fan, keep rolling with the punches and right into your next title defense you get. It was a good fight. Oh, yeah. Max dropped Volk twice. Twice. First now, round and second round. Neither of them, I would say, like, hurt Volk bad or anything, but it was still, like, you know, it was... Max cr- looked crispy. He looked nice. Yeah. And Volk came on late in those later, those championship rounds, which is probably... Maybe that doesn't get talked about enough. Now that we've had time to digest this result, I mean, you obviously are still... Bitter. Which, understandable. I mean, that's your guy, Max Holloway. I like Max, too. I was also upset with the decision. But it was a very close fight. And what I don't think maybe we don't give enough credit to Volkanovski about it was he was winning the championship rounds. Yeah, he came on strong and got... Because really, it's the round three that's the one that's disputed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both won four and five. Which I think is, you know, again, I'm not saying he should have won the fight, but... I think that at least shows something to his merit as champion mm-hmm. where he is able to go. I mean, that's what you want. You want your champions to be able to do five-round wars. And yeah. He did it. They both did it. But, yeah. yeah, for Volk to say, oh, I can just get stronger as the fight goes on, that's what you like to see. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm just trying to give him some credit here because I know we've we've probably we've talked pretty down on Volkanovski, I think. I mean, I ranked him last in our champions rankings, and he's – He's a great guy. And he, I put him below people who hadn't defended their belts. So I, I don't want to say that he... I just think since he was the only champion to this point who has a a defense that, in my opinion, is a loss. up for debate. 
I guess Adesanya Romero. <laughs> There's yeah, but then you look at what Adesanya just did to Costa. Yeah, I mean, you look, I mean, because that, the Adesanya Romero fight, people seem to think there's a, a some people out there that think Romero won that fight. I, think. Uh, I wouldn't give a win to either All person. I care about is that we lost yeah. that one. But here, yeah, it was very sad to see for Max because you just knew it was like, they can't give him a third. Yeah, fight. just put him in a really weird spot. Yeah. And now here he is fighting number six, Calvin Cater. Which so. is a great fight, yeah. and I'm excited for it. But. Yeah, it would have been. I think it kind of soured us a little bit at this point. I think we were you. You definitely were a bit pouty <laughs> after this decision gets announced. I think. Oh yeah. And I was probably no different, but that leads us into our main event. And let's just be honest. Dominance. This, this fight didn't really live up. I will give Jorge credit. For being able to last five rounds. Yeah. Obviously coming in on six days notice. However, Usman doesn't get enough credit for also, you know, he took this fight on six days notice too. In a lot of ways. Yes, he was in a training camp. I get that, but. In a lot of ways, these were the three winners, these three champions that we had are really all underappreciated in some way. And poopied on for this card specifically. (laughs) But yeah, I mean. Usman deserves more credit for this fight. He dominated the entire fight. Masvidal deserves credit for stepping in, saving the card. And, you know, he did get dominated, but he had his bright moments. Yeah. It or, was clear that when they were at, you know, range and striking, Usman wanted no part of yeah. what one, Masvidal was One judge doing. gave Masvidal round one. And I think that says something. Because yeah. even though Usman was able to get the fight to the ground, Masvidal was making him uncomfortable on the feet. And Masvidal, this was something I didn't notice when we watched the first time, for whatever reason. I think it was because once it kind of became obvious (laughs) that Masvidal just was gassed. And it just became obvious to me it was going to be Usman winning by decision at some point. I mean, Masvidal's takedown defense was really nice. It was really Again, six days notice and the fact that he was so tired. He was still able to defend a lot of takedowns. I mean, worked well in the clinch. Again, with a guy like Usman, who has the the pedigree he has as a wrestler, you, it's a, not a matter of if you'll get taken down, but when. Yeah. So for Masvidal too, yes, he was being taken down pretty much every round, or at least clinched up the foot stomps. Everybody jokes about it. Those are brutal. But he was able to stop a lot of those takedowns, and that's that's definitely to his credit. And I would like to see this fight down the line if Masvidal gets a nice win. With full training camps? Yeah, I would. And maybe this is how the fight was really always going to go. But trust me, I had bought in. I definitely, after what Masvidal had done on his run, I, had, I counted him out against Darren Till. I counted him out against Ben Askren, which is embarrassing to say. <clears throat> I thought he would beat Nate Diaz, but to dominate him like he did. Mm -hmm. And then you get this fight. I said, I think Masvidal's winning this fight. I truly believed it was going to be... I mean, they had that weekend unveiled the UFC 4 Mm -hmm. video game, and it had him and Anasanya on the cover. I said, this is his crowning moment. Oh, if he would have won this. Yeah. Wow. He would be in the UFC's But I, I guess realistically this was the way the fight was most likely going to go. And it just, call, call a spade a spade, it, it wasn't a particularly exciting fight. But Usman was dominant. Yep. 
and there should be credit given to him for that. But on this night, I can't say I was giving him a ton of credit. I agree. I was being a bit pouty about this fight. You had your moment to pout with Holloway. I was being pouty about Masvidal. It's all right. But overall, the first. <clears throat> so fight weirdly, card so it's like it's kind of weird looking back because really, if you go again, we talk about the whole fights aren't made on paper; they're made in the octagon. This is kind of an example. Maybe this is a hot take. There are great fights on here, but this is kind of an example of the reverse, where on paper this card was fantastic and some of these fights didn't really live up to expectations. Or, again, when you get a decision that you feel isn't justified, that definitely sours things. The Jan Aldo fight being stretched out far too long. I mean, definitely the women definitely were the winners on mm-hmm. that main card. You got the Jiri, Vulcan. There were some other good fights on those uh, prelims. But I'm just saying, I'm not saying it was a bad card. It wasn't. Because, come on. I mean, look at what you got. But I'm just saying that I think, considering how much this card was hyped up and how we had hyped it up, as far as what we ended up getting by the end of the night, I think it was somewhat of a letdown. Ooh. I I won't go that far. Okay. But I see where you're coming from. I I don't want to say like I wasn't disappointed when I left your place. Yeah. I'm just saying that with all the I think, hype I that... think considering how we always talk about, you know, people shit on these fight nights and they end up being great. I think this was the reverse where it was like on paper, this could have been one of the best pay per views ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they all have that, but I mean, just the star power on here, the story going in, right. you get that multiple rematches, a fresh new champion at Bantamweight. It ended up being a decent card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a big win for the UFC. They sold over 1 million buys on this. Yeah. And Fight Island was born. And, you know, give credit to Fight Island, give credit to Jorge Masvidal. I think this was kind of proof of his star power. He saved the card. Yeah. But, I'm just being a mediocre buy rate guard. Yeah, so this was our, our moment, right? Fight Island, it's in the book. Now we are here. What's next? All well, kinds of things. We get a lot of fight nights. Yeah, we've had, what, eight more events since 251? Yeah. and I This mean, stint alone, we get a Wednesday fight card, by the way, which, which I love. so cool. I love the Wednesday ones. Calvin Cater, Danny Ige, great fight. Uh, Cater really coming into his own. That was Five a, that was war. a fight. I, Ige showed me more than I thought he would. Yeah, I was very excited but watching Ige. I think uh, Calvin Cater also. It's like both guys. I thought Cater was going to win this pretty clearly, and he did. But both guys showed me more than I thought they would. It's kind of in a way. I don't want to say like Vittori Hermanson because I predicted it to be fight of the night, but in a way it was. Like I didn't. I'm not sure if I thought Vittorio or Hermanson was really a title challenger. And after their fight, I thought they kind of both are. And Ige's a fresh face in the and UFC. Ige was this, you know? And I didn't think Ige had won his fight against Barboza, mm-hmm. which gave him this yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So I was definitely like, all right, Cater is going to win this fight, clearly. He did. But, but, Ige, but it was a great fight. Also a fight of the year contender, potentially, for some people. Not necessarily me, but I'm just saying. Uh, Cater looked great. Ige looked good. 
tough as shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he got hit with some shots. I'm excited to see Ige again. I am too. I, we haven't heard much about him since, but that was on ESPN. Um, that was a card that was supposed to be co-main by uh, Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz. That ended up headlining yeah, one of our own. first breakdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So then you go to uh, – sorry, did you want to – Oh, no, I was just – I figured yeah. we were just going yeah, off we're just the going. headliners. So then we got <laughs> – the, the fight that we have talked about the most on this podcast. This is episode 49. This has had to have been mentioned at least 15 different episodes. Yeah. At least. Davidson Figueredo and Joseph Benavides too. I remember I was at my mom's. Uh, me and my sister were there. My my mom and stepdad were somewhere. But we were like house-sitting, whatever. I was watching this on the big TV in the living room. And I about shit my pants. The, this was I the saw. first card back um, of me being back in BG. Back oh, from home. Nice, being nice. back up here to yeah. work. So I'm watching this, I think at the time, on my laptop, actually. And my God... I remember being genuinely concerned for Joseph's health. When you saw... It was the, the eye I don't glaze. want to give too, too much detail, but when he got put in that guillotine... Like the fourth sorry, one of the fight. I rear naked choke. Rear naked choke. I'm a filthy casual, aren't I? Yes, get out of here. Sorry. No. <laughs> rear naked. And you saw his eyes glaze over, and his body's kind of torqued and twisted. I was like, ugh. Yeah. I was like, God, Blood stop everywhere. it. I was screaming at the TV. I was like, stop the fight. Throw in the damn Was down. I a bit liquored up? Maybe. But point still stands that that was a brutally scary. And then a moment that nobody else, I don't think, noticed on the broadcast but me. Because I had the volume up real loud and everything. And I'm sitting there like watching it, like staring at the TV like, is he okay? Mm-hmm. He wakes up and lets out a scream. See, I never heard that. As soon as he comes to, it's like he was had a nightmare. Yeah. And he lets out this, like, blood-curling scream. And I was like, like, you just had this, like, my spine. Like, <laughs> the hairs on the back of your yeah, head. Yeah, like, I felt this shiver down my spine. And I was like, please never put me in a room with Davis and Figueroa. <laughs> but co-main on that card, Jack Hermanson and Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I just wanted to mention that because Hermanson, that was a weird fight. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Poor Kelvin. There's a lot of questions about Kelvin Gastelum, I yeah. think, after that fight. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of caught in a heel hook, got out of it, somehow put himself right back in that position, and Hermanson's like, fool me once. Shame on, shame on, shame, <laughs> shame on me, or shame yeah, on Yeah, it you. would be shame on me, because no, then no, he no. got it the second no, no, time. No, 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 no. I mean, the saying is shame on you, <laughs> but technically Hermanson should, should say shame on me, because I didn't finish it the first time, but I finished it the second yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Hermanson gets to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he just headlined a card with Vittori, so he... And I'll fight of the year contender. Yeah, so he, you know, that was a fight I counted him out of. Then it leads us into another fight of the year contender, in my opinion. In my opinion, in terms which, of beautiful striking. Which is? The following Saturday, Robert Whitaker, Darren Till, 25 minutes of just beautiful, technical, crisp striking. Uh, just wonderful. And, uh, and this, I, is, this I, is big for Rob. Yeah, I completely agree. I just wanted to make note. I believe this is the card that broke the record. Record. For the most fights on a single card. Oh, it may have been, actually. Count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight prelim fights? Mm-hmm. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 
Wow, 15 fights on the entire card. Yeah. Wild. And, again, this is probably at the peak of our... I don't know if I want to say of our buying in, maybe. Like, I think after this card, in my head, I had it, nothing can stop the UFC. I said this on one of our previous episodes. Yeah, I mean, this would have been four boom, boom, boom consecutive and you, and you, successful And you event. hit it with, at the end, like, you hit that. You are Not only are you holding all these fights during COVID-19, but you're breaking records for the amount of fights on these cards. And putting on great fights. Yeah, and... I'm sorry, go ahead and talk about Robert. Because I just wanted I mean, to say that like that was probably for both of us. Because yeah. think about it. Two weeks after this, what did we do? Started a podcast. If we had any doubt of the UFC's ability to keep holding fights, we might have waited. Yeah, true. True. Like if we had you know, if we had been together during when they reannounced two forty nine we would have been probably still talking about potentially doing it at that time. But, but skeptical. But, but then you're skeptical, and then you see Jacare test positive, so then you go, mm, I don't know if we want to start it yet, because yeah, yeah. what if we can't really do consistent content, you know? But after this card, I think this was where I was, in my head, I was like, there's no doubt yeah. that the UFC is here to stay for out throughout this pandemic. Yeah, for sure. And this was just a huge fight. This was big because it was Robert's uh, bounce-back fight. Yeah. Coming off of his loss to Israel Adesanya, took a big layoff. Said he kind of lost that passion. For Till, this was a big one for him because prior to this, he had beaten Kelvin, right, yep, in his debut at, at middleweight, which was a iffy fight. Was I that mean, a split decision? It was, but... I thought it, it was. I thought Till easily won that fight. Not a lot going on. It it fight. wasn't. It was definitely like a point. It was one of his performances where he just kind point of fighting. Yeah, I mean, Kelvin can't couldn't match the striking oh, of no. Till, yeah. and that's why. And Gaslam couldn't get the fight to the ground. Mm-hmm. It was impressive for Till because you're like you didn't know how he would do against some of these bigger guys, but Kelvin's not even a big middleweight, yeah. so um, it it answered some questions. But I think there was people are still. Question. Even to this day, I think people wonder how good truly is Darren Till, including myself. Yeah, and I mean, he put on a great performance here, but Robert really came back into his and, all. This Robert remember, Whitaker 2.0. Do you remember leading in here? Every A lot of people didn't know if Robert was ever going to be the same. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of skeptical, too, because you had those two wars with Yoel Romero. And knocked out by Izzy. And then he was beaten so easily. Does he still have the chin? Yeah. You know? And then, I mean, even at a point, Till... like Till dropped him in this fight. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't want to say that that's still a question, because then you had cause Robert after this would fight Cannoneer in a great fight, but also a fight he got hurt in. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that question is still there, but as far as the question of is Whitaker still... A title challenger? Oh, yeah. Whitaker 2.0. Yeah. Exciting. I mean, when you look at his striking in this fight, he was going tit, tit for tat with Darren Till. Yeah, Till was looked at as one of the best strikers in the entire UFC. And one of the most patient. Yes. And Whitaker has never really shown to be a guy that's And that's patient. all what 2.0 Whitaker is. Yeah. Patience. And Picking I, the shots and delivering, too. And I think it's also worth noting that... Um, we probably should have touched on this from one of, I, I believe it was from Figgy Benavides too. 
this is where the story of Hamzat Chemaev oh, yes. comes into play because How on this card he was put on the main card against Rice McKee. Yep, yep. And the story continued because he yeah. looked so dominant against John Phillips, but John Phillips is a guy who I believe at this point his record in the UFC is two and six. Something like that. Um, now he lost to Hamzat. He lost a fight since then, so he was like two and four at the time. But again, I believe John Phillips got one shot on him. Yeah. Well, Hamzat's only been hit three times. And Hamzat said that he wanted to fight in the next week. And I'm just going to say that this is the moment where since then we have, like, all these guys. And I'm not saying that it's because of Hamzat. Everybody been but fighting. it's But, like, all of a sudden all these, like, hungry guys wanting to make the name for themselves Love are it. fighting Kevin every couple weeks. Who we get to every see Saturday. Weeks, yeah. Every month. You haven't seen that really ever. <laughs> Not this much. No. Not by this many fights. Yeah. And Hamzat, Rice McKee does not land a single strike no. in this fight. Yeah, and I picked McKee to win. So. Did you really? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Listen, Hamzat was still new, okay? I mean, I bet money. I bought into the hype yeah, of McKee. If you remember, I bet on McKee. Oh, is this one of your parlays, huh? Yeah. And you, you gave me money for... Oh. I think you did. Yeah, you gave me... You're like, yo, I'm going in on that. And then the first fight, done. This is why we're not a betting podcast. Yep. Exactly, but I did. I didn't think Rice McKee was actually going to win, but he was such an underdog that, I, and I knew he he's a good prospect mm-hmm. out of the UK. Yeah, we were wrong. We were wrong. But this ended up being. I mean, that's where the story of him starts. He yeah. fights twice in a week, and now look at him. Then he one punch KOs Gerald Mearchart in thirteen seconds, and now he's about to head. Well, he will be looking probably headlining a card in January yeah, with against, the number three ranked welterweight in yeah. the world, Leon Edwards. <laughs> It's crazy. Hums up smish. Yes, he does. And you even had Alexander Gustavson's debut at heavyweight. That didn't go well. What a disappointing affair, yes, that right? That was awful. Fabricio on his way out says... Fabricio me... looked good, though, in that fight. Yeah, and now he's with the PFL. Yep, he is. He got the armbar submission, and I mean... Who... And he said... Deuces. <laughs> it's like that meme of that guy yeah, putting yeah. up the deuces and he, just and he fades away. Um, but this was a great card. I mean, yeah, the headline by Whitaker Till. The fact that you got... 15 fights. That was such... Man, I was like exhausted at yeah, the end. Yeah, man. And that is our first stint on yep. Fight Island. Four yep. events. And what was it? Let's see. 25th, 18th, 15th, 11th. Four events in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Insane amount of fights. Great fights. Mediocre fights. Bad scores. Tears. Blood. Sweat. We saw it all on Fight Island. We really did. And from there, you really just... Another takeaway, I guess, after the Whitaker Till outside of, you know, oh, the UFC can do this. We knew that Fight Island was here to stay. Yeah. For the long haul. Not just for 2020. I mean, it's here to stay. Mm -hmm. Because it's already part of this partnership that the UFC has with Abu Dhabi and the UAE anyways. Mm -hmm. Brand new arena built over there now holds 10,000 people. They're even thinking about doing Connor and Poirier there with people. So, Fight Island, the story of Fight Island, although it was at its peak in 2020, and that will never change, it is a story that has many chapters yet to come. That's that, and we, I think we touched on that when we talked about this in the documentary, but that is a very true point. I yeah. Mean, regardless, I guess, of how long this pandemic goes, I wonder, like, let's imagine, um, let's say... Uh, this is all hypothetical, and this is not really what I am predicting. I'm just putting it out there. You sure you want to put this into the atmosphere? 
right, fine. Let's just say that there comes a time in 2021 where the barriers have been lifted. Everybody's allowed to run into the streets. And Fight Island will be like a historical landmark for people to visit. And well, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm trying to go. Well, anchor book a flight. <laughs> Anyways, but. I'm wondering if once there comes a time where the UFC can go back to doing their shows, like the pay-per-views in the United States, anywhere to, like how they were before, normal, yeah, will they still go back? I would go a lot. I mean, they're already talking about fans, pool parties, yeah. concerts. Yeah. Huh? Hey, Dana. <laughs> so... It's uh so I'll be interested to see how that goes. I think, yeah. and I think that'll be that next chapter you're talking about, where it's like, okay, let's see how this format, this fight island, yeah, how can it be sustained in a post-COVID world? Yeah, I mean, if, once it comes to that, if it ever comes to that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we we had you know the stint number one that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're not going to go end up on the second stint because we've we, already broken all those down. But step number two, you had two pay-per-views. Yeah, I mean, we had Adesanya Costa, Holm Aldana, Marais Sanhagen, Ortega and Korean Zombie, and then Habib Gaethje. They went huge on Fight Island. I mean, massive, yeah. massive fights. I mean, that Habib Gaethje card is one of the best, not just on paper, but as far as like... Outcome and the uh, card, how it played out. One of the best yeah. cards I've ever oh, seen. Oh yeah, 100%. Truly a from top, top to bottom, to bottom too. Yeah, yeah. fantastic card. And like, yeah. To your, uh, now, here we are. We're about to go back in about a month. It looks like to Fight Island. It looks like they might either they'll probably start with McGregor Poirier, or maybe they'll do the fight night before. They're talking about doing a Wednesday and a Saturday. And all yeah, I, I almost wonder if they just start because there's nothing before the 16th, right? Holloway Cater. So I think they just boom Cater Holloway, Fight Island. Yeah, and and I think what's going to make it more prevalent or more of a need for the UFC to continue going there is the problems they've been having in Vegas. Oh, I mean, hell, they might have to stay there. Because right now, these problems they're having in Vegas are... It's been getting bad. It's adding up. Yeah, it's been getting bad. We've had, at this point, I want to say six or seven straight main events either scrapped entirely or at least one fighter has had to be taken off. And other fights from the card, prelim fights, main card I mean, we just had... We had three alone just this past Saturday. We just said they broke a record with 15... We just had an eight fight card or eight fights. eight fight card on Saturday. Two of which were supposed to be on the main card, one on the prelims. Yeah. So three big fights. I mean, Jimmy Flick on the prelims, and you had two of our main card fights being scrapped, including the one that could have been. Uh, you had like two big prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate Landwehr is the yep. one that's sticking out to me. I can't. Movsar, Movsar, thirteen and zero. Yep. Yeah, so um, big fights being taken off, but. Obviously, the main events of these fight nights are the ones that stick out more. And for the most part, the UFC had not had a ton of problems with their main events falling out due to COVID. I mean, you had you had your times. You know, people were shitting on Angela Hill and Michelle Waterson when they headlined a card. Shame they, on you. Yep, shame on you. But that was because I forget what the original... Actually, that was Glover and Tiago. I yes, think. that was the first and, one. And that yeah. was COVID. Um, so you've had fights compromised because of it but now you're at a point where it's like every week it's like something you know there's we're sitting here something. hoping and praying that nothing happens at 256 before we get there there's already been three fights canceled off of it yeah luckily all preliminary 
Not that okay, that's bad. Obviously, yeah. that sucks. Hopefully, they all get better soon. Can fight in January, but you get my point. Yeah, I, we as selfish fight fans, we know the fights that we're hoping are. I mean, right now this main card is amazing. Yeah, I mean, if but if you take off one of those top two, oof, what a what a that's what I'm getting at, right? That's because that's really what we're talking about here. But yeah, the, it, it's so funny that as big of a story as Fight Island is, it's 2020, and it will probably never. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say never, but probably the biggest you'll ever see. This it was be. the peak. Of you'll course. probably never see it be any bigger. Just, I mean, all the factors in play. I think now it will just be a thing where. Yeah, it's sustained at this point. I yeah. mean, it's it's here to stay. Um, but I, I'll be interested if maybe at twenty twenty one we look back and year in a review and see what like did we spend all of twenty twenty one on fight island like yeah. it'll be. All of that's plausible at this point. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, was by far a a huge success for them. E- everything that, like, from start to finish, Fight Island, all the... Like, really, if you haven't watched the documentary, by the way, on ESPN+, Plus, you need to watch it, first of all. But, like, all the people over there that quarantined for a month and did all this, and then all the people from the UFC going over there, like, everything. I can't even imagine the logistical and operational tasks that they had to complete and it was all flawless. Yeah. You know? Shout out to freaking Fight Island. The 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 myth, the legend, I didn't want to say the man cuz it's like a thing. Yeah. But the myth, the legend, the story. It literally took the entire sports world by storm. Flipped it on at side. one point. Yeah. The UFC was at the peak of all sports in 2020. The they, peak. They were the first ones back. The guys that punch each other. The human cockfighting, in yeah. quote, was on the top of all sports in 2020. Again, that's we talked about this. It's the silver lining for the UFC. This is one of the best years they could have ever asked for. In terms of their brand, and their, you know, all this merchandise, and all the fights, and showing that they are going to be the sport that comes back first, that show... This is what you need to do to put on fights or put on events and run them successfully, and they did that, and they showed everybody that. I couldn't. Have and said then all the sports that. followed suit. I couldn't have said any better myself. Fight Island. I I think this was warranted. When you're doing a year in review, I well, we like, wanted to talk about it forever. Yeah, I mean, you dedicate an episode to Fight Island. I mean, that's just you how, have to how big of a topic it was in 2020. It's I keep saying it, but it was the biggest overarching MMA. And like you keep, like you'll respond with sports in general, storyline that we saw play out. It was the biggest addition to sports in 2020. Oh, one of the biggest additions ever. Yeah. Ever. Like we've never seen anything like this. Yeah. This was like the Rumble in the Jungle, you know, back in the day with <laughs> Ali. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Undisclosed location. Yeah. They're going to fight each other. Like, yeah. you know? And, uh,. It's wild. And yeah, I mean, how do you not give this its own special episode? Because if we put this with all the other stuff we're going to do next special episode, we'd have like a five hour long thing. Yeah. So it, it was much deserved. And I, I'm i just glad we could sit down and talk about it. I know. We've been wanting to talk about those cards, especially on, fi- on We, we started the podcast just three and a half weeks too late. But that's okay. Yeah. Because here but we are now. I think we did it justice. I think we've, we've said some of Our what... Piece. Yeah, I mean... We didn't even touch on some of these guys that some of these other guys that made such huge names. I mean, we talked about. Oh, yeah, we could bit. go on and on and on. I mean, because some of these guys, 
it's hard to we're tell talking there were nine talking, events they're bouncing back and forth between fight island and the apex i mean you had bobby green making a big name for himself but all in the apex yeah. then you have guys like kevin holland who have became huge names just by staying active yeah so it's it's very just the whole year has just been interesting and it's exciting it's scary at the same time because where we're at now we're hopefully they we're just hoping they kind of stay at fight island mm-hmm. but i think we did this justice and it, it feels like the monkey's off our back in some way because yeah. we've been wanting to do this for so long but that's going to wrap up our 2020 year in review part one and obviously uh, i believe it is wednesday december 23rd you'll be seeing part two of this and that's going to be our year-end rewards or our year-end awards Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Our so. 2020 awards. We're wearing tuxedos. Um, <laughs> we're, give, we're getting trophies made, and we're gonna <laughs> mail them to the fighters. We got to get in contact with their management. Yeah, and all that of stuff. Of course, of but, course. But that shouldn't be a problem for yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, this is essentially the biggest MMA award show there is. So you're gonna want to tune in for that um, in two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, we're taking the MMA world by storm, essentially here. Fight of the night, or fight. <laughs> Fight of the year. Yes. Fighter of the year. I already know what that is. I can tell them now. Anyway, go ahead. Fighter of the year. Yep. Uh, this is where you get a little... Most, a little nutty most surprising yeah. fighter of the year. Most surprising fight of the year. Most disappointing fighter of the year. Most disappointing fight of the year. And whatever other awards we may think of in the next Maybe two Maybe knockout of the year. Yeah. Maybe submission of the year. Oh, wait, yeah. Was that not on the original agenda? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we have to. Okay those okay there's two more i just was throwing out some saddle up ladies and gentlemen we can't wait it's gonna be so fun you won't be able to see us we'll be wearing tuxedos just yeah. just believe us trophy case in the back yeah you know but uh very excited to do that that'll be coming on the 23rd as for the rest of this week oh there's still so much we obviously have an announcement coming on thursday we've we played that up a lot follow us on our below average joe's social media in order to get that announcement that's coming on our Instagram and Twitter um, Thursday at 5pm Eastern Standard Time nice getting that time out there and you can follow us at BAJ underscore MMA podcast I know Dom will plug it when we do our outro here but I just wanted to throw that in there to follow us there because we're not going to do what we did last our last yeah. announcement where we posted that was video. just too much we yeah. we had to put it in a video because yeah. there was so yeah. much going but, on but um now it, go to the social media follow okay. us there that way you'll get that announcement sure we'll talk about it on friday but the point of posting it there is that we get it out there and we don't necessarily have to sit here for 30 minutes and talk about our announcement thursday plays a big factor in our friday preview that's a nice little extra bonus tease. I think it does. Yeah. And uh, that leads us into Friday. We are previewing UFC 256. Headline, oh. Davis and Brandon Moreno fighting after they last both fought three, three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Stay together. And then a co-main, Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira. Please. Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm fingers crossed. Listen, I love Figgy. And even Moreno after his performance. But come on. Ferguson Oliveira. Ooh. They know who the A side is. <laughs> oh man! No, but uh, uh, and along with some other great fights on that, 
um, main card. And Kevin a couple Holland. good prelims, too. Yeah. Kevin Holland, Jock yeah. Souza, yeah. Um, among others. So we'll be talking about all of the main card and anything that sticks out to us. Yep. But then Monday we'll obviously review and recap what happens on Saturday. That's what you have to look forward to. It's a big week. Saddle up. But Dom. Yeehaw. <laughs> tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram, at dsalee14. Our podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. Again, you're going to want to follow those especially. We're going to have the announcement, obviously, on our personals as well, so mm-hmm. follow us too. But follow the podcast. That's where you know we tweet out and post all of our episodes there. Um, we do polls on Twitter, fight uh, official results on twitter all that fun stuff you know we're trying to interact with the mma twitter big community out there big community big community untapped potential yeah so it's just fun interacting with people you can interact a lot more on twitter than instagram you know it's easier so follow us on there again huge announcement coming i guess tomorrow when you all are hearing this 5 p.m eastern standard thursday night thursday as for me if you go to my bio on twitter or instagram at NT Baker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you links to all the platforms the podcast is on, along with our social medias. So, the Instagram, the Twitter, the YouTube channel, the anchor page, along with Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, they're all on there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast that just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money just goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be the audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So, again, you can find all of that. If you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out and we're going to see y'all on Friday. Unless it's the announcement that Thursday. Now let's go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs>